Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And today we welcome Amber O'Neill Johnston, about whom Jenny learned through Wild and Free, and whom I recently learned of as part of my ongoing additions to the Homeschool Resource Roadmap. Amber is a Christian author, speaker, wife, and world-schooling mama, we want to hear more about that, who blends together life-giving books and a culturally rich environment for her four children and seeks to encourage others to do the same. She recommends that we offer children opportunities to see themselves and others reflected in their lessons, especially throughout their books, and she's known for sharing a literary mirrors and windows on her website, Heritage Mom. By the way, all of her websites and information we will share in the uh, in the links uh, up to the episode. Amber is also the author of A Place to Belong, a guide for families of all backgrounds to celebrate cultural heritage, diversity, and kinship while embracing inclusivity in the home and beyond. Welcome, Amber. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Us too. <laughs> all right. Guess what, Amber? Here's my story. Here's exactly. Okay. okay here, this is what happens. So there I was. You guys, I just started a wild and free group in Green Bay. Andy Pier. So it's Green Bay, De Pier, Wisconsin. All right. So with it comes all of the conference, um, a link that I could hear all the conferences, all the talks, everything. So you betcha. I, I sat down, I was eating like uh, yogurt with whipped cream on top and granola. <laughs> it's true. And I was listening and I was watching and then Amber comes on and I had never known anything about Amber at all. And so I was listening, Amber, I wrote it down. It was the Franklin, Tennessee, 2021. Okay. And you were talking about, you know, the CS Lewis quote and the whole, everything, that story. And, um, uh, okay. You just, you guys, I'm not going to go into it because we don't have time, but the <laughs> bottom line is this. I was like, Amber is my people. Amber, you are my people. And that's <laughs> so much so that I literally told my husband, I told my son and my daughter, and I said, you guys have to hear this. And so I think I played it for Noah, who's just right here and that's it. Right. So I'm going on with my day and then beep, you know, ding, my phone dings and it's Tina. And she said, Hey, I think I have another guest for the podcast. Podcast. And I was like, okay. And then she sends the link with all of your stuff on the very same day. And I was like, are you kidding? Really? Like this, you are my people. Thank you, Jesus. Oh my goodness. I love that story so much. You can't make it up, right? Yeah, that's that is that's quite incredible, actually. But I'm glad that you got a chance to listen to it. Those are like I I told people that I met that weekend that I had actually written a completely different talk 
Mm. And it was like the, you know, safe talk and yeah. I kept feeling really uncomfortable and I was practicing it at home and I couldn't, it wasn't flowing right. And I just feel like the Lord was like, you know what, scrap that. And at 4 a.m. the oh, day that I was leaving, he gave me a whole new word. Wow. And so, oh. yeah, like I started over at 4 a.m. that day. Oh. And completely different. So I'm really pleased to hear that you like Yeah, it was so, so good. But we are here to talk about you and we want to know all about you. We want to know about your family, your kiddos, just everything. Tell us about you. Okay. So I live outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm originally from Illinois. My husband is from Ohio. So we are Midwesterners and we must have recognized that vibe when we met, <laughs> we met here in Atlanta at the art museum, um, like a good Charlotte Mason mama. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, we, yeah, we dated and everything was great. And we have four kids now. We got married and we have four kids. Yeah. They are 12, 10, 8, and 6. The older ones are girls and the younger ones are boys. And they'll all have, no one's had a birthday yet this year. So I will have a teenager this year. Um, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it so far. And um, what else can I say? We, um, I run a homeschool group here locally and uh, write and speak nationally. Um, and my friends here in my homeschool group, half of them have no idea who heritage mom is and <laughs> they don't care. Um, and I kind of love that. <laughs> so they're like, Oh, you were late to the park today. And, and I'm thinking, yeah. I'm sorry. I had like three podcast interviews an article due, and oh they're, they're just like, whatever. Yeah. So, so good. it's great. Um, having that local in-person community as well. So mm, that yeah. is a little bit, um, about me when I'm not homeschooling my kids or doing something for the group, then my personal interests, I like um, doing anything with a needle. So I like sewing, mm. cross-stitch, um, needlepoint, things like that. Um, I love to cook and I went back to school as an adult and became a registered dietitian. So I love healthy, like whole foods, cooking with whole foods and things like that. And I love to travel. And of course, I love to read. Mm. I like all of that too. Every <laughs> single thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yogurt with whipped cream, you guys. It's not whole. Okay. It's not whole and it's not. <laughs> it was the can kind because we're, we're healthy eaters at our house, Amber, but not that day. <laughs> I feel you. We have that today. One of my kids came up with a bag of Cheetos today and I was like, Ooh, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to freak out, but yeah. where did it come from? <laughs> right. It just appeared. <laughs> So, you know, I was looking at your website and you said there, it, it's such a funny thing because we hear this a lot, same quote from almost everybody, but you say in your website that you would never, ever homeschool. <laughs> and yeah, here you are, right? Why would I do such a crazy thing? I, yep. I was like, what's the point of that? And everything that I thought, you know, that homeschooling stood for, I stood for something different. I felt mm -hmm. like homeschoolers are against all public schools. And my parents were public school principals. My sister and my grandfather were elected school board officials. And my husband and I are both products of public school system. So I was like, why would I stand? Mm -hmm. I thought a vote for homeschooling was a vote against, you know, public school. So that right there, I was like, that's not for me. And I had never uh, really seen anyone that I considered, um, more on the normal end of, 
living (laughs) that was homeschooling. And so I was like, okay, well, I consider myself more on the normal end back then. I don't know. I wouldn't say that so much now. Um, What's normal. It's a setting on the dryer, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, right. I'm like four kids in, forget about it. Um, So yeah, I just, I didn't have, I guess I didn't have any role models is really what I'm trying to say. And so it seemed very far-fetched and a silly thing for me to consider. And yet here I am. I love it. How did it come about, about and when? you know, in your parenting life? Yeah, it was my husband and it was when our oldest was three. And to be quite honest, it's such a typical story. You know, she was our first and, um, you know, he's like, she's precocious and she's so (laughs) smart. And like, what's the point of preschool for kids like her anyway? Um, So we were, um, and she's also tall. She still is for her age. And and he came to a little program at our, at the church preschool she was doing. And he, he said, she looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger with all these little Danny DeVito's. And, you know, he just had one thing after another. He's like, she already knows all of this. You know, she's, oh, too, you know, she's too advanced. Yeah. Here. And so he was like, I think she's ready to start kindergarten. And I was mm. like, so like, no one's going to allow her to start kindergarten at four. And he was yeah. like, I'm going to investigate. So he came back a few weeks later and he's like, I was told that if we homeschool for two years, then she can go into the grade, you know, that we had her in. Mm. And so that was his whole premise. And I was not on board. And he was like, can you just do it? for one year. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give you K4. That's what you get. You get pre-K brother. And um, I was like, I knew it wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to like it. Yeah. And man, let me tell you, by the end of that year, I was sold out. And um, the ironic thing is what we were doing was some, we were entering homeschooling in order to accelerate our, our daughter. Mm-hmm. And once we got into the world and I was reading more and being mentored, we actually decided to slow her childhood down. Mm-hmm. And so we actually did ended up doing the opposite of what we came there for. Yeah. That is great. Well, let's talk about Charlotte Mason. Right. Cause that's part of the reason, right? Amber. You read about Charlotte yeah. Mason. And yeah, that's exactly. Down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell everybody how that even came about that you chose this Charlotte Mason from way back in the day. Tell us about it and what that looks like at your house and just all those great, wonderful things. Okay. Well, um, you know, since my husband was like, let's, you committed to doing this for a year. I didn't know anything about homeschooling. So I had a baby. I was nursing late at night. That's when I did all my deep thinking. And (laughs) I was looking and there was some, I I would give money to find out what it was, but I just don't know. Um, I was looking at a blog and they had a quiz on there and you would take it to find out your style, your homeschooling Uh, style. And so I took the quiz and it spit out that my style was Charlotte Mason. And then it said, you know, if you're, if this was was what you got. You should read these books. And one of them was a book called For the Children's Sake. And so I ordered the book. It came and I started reading it. And the first night that I was reading it, I started crying. Mm. I know now it was probably hormonal as well, but <laughs> it God uses was, all sorts of things, Amber. <laughs> was, I mean, what can you say? But there were, I realized that there was someone who had written things that were, um, I held in my heart, but didn't know how to articulate. Um, and so to see it written or to hear about it really 
touched me. Like I felt so seen and I said, wow, there's a thing like this way that I feel about my children and what I want for them is like a thing and I could learn more about it. And so then I slowly, but surely started becoming a student of Charlotte Mason. And I had those early years before my daughter was really school age to dig in and um, to understand and learn more and that was just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but here I am, I I've been doing that from the very beginning and I, I just love it. And, um, we were doing beautiful things. So we had these living books and, um, she was reciting poetry and we were singing hymns and folk songs and reading about history and these beautiful stories. And it was so nice. Um, I thought, and then she started exhibiting some some troubling signs, you know, and, and she it would take me forever to tell you. So just the bottom line is that she was very uncomfortable in her brown skin. She was uncomfortable being a little black girl. And ultimately, after many months of me questioning and trying to figure out, she said something um, that really changed everything in our home. And she said that you said that we study important people in school and we only study white people. Mm. And I was like, wow, wow. Um, that was uh, really difficult. And wow. so I took that, you know, I was like, just give me a moment. You know, we were in the car, so like turn some music on or whatever. And I thought about it the whole ride home. And I thought, you know, she's right. And I hadn't intentionally done that, but I had given her what I saw the other families around me doing and it really looked beautiful and it was, but I realized that it wasn't the right um, thing for my family. It, it wasn't exactly what we needed and that I hadn't, I, I had done all of these things, but what I had forgotten to bring to the table was me mm-hmm. and I was her mom. Um, and so I shook things up and changed it. And I came up with this idea. I told my girlfriends that in my house, Charlotte Mason is going to wear an Afro. I love it. (laughs) That's what I ended up doing. And and I started writing about it and it kind of took off. I was like, like, really, you guys want to hear about that? So um, that's where we are today. That's awesome. So have you been able to find enough living books to actually, because I know, I think that's part of the issue, right? Is uh, enough multicultural books that aren't just white books, right? Yeah. So um, I do, I have tons, a whole home library full of them, but it required some wrestling and digging and research. And, and what I came up with is a couple of things. One, when we talk about living books um, in a lot of cases that has become confused with classics. Mm -hmm. So most classics are living books, but all, all, you know, living books are broader than just classics. They don't have to only be classics. You can have contemporary and modern living books as well. Um, And so for me, it was finding um, what Charlotte Mason actually said about living books, not what we then interpreted. Um, So that was part of it. And then the other idea that really helped me a lot with our home library was the thought that she said that we have to read the best books, only the best for our children. And I started thinking, you know, is it better to have to evaluate each individual book? Like this is the best biography I could find for this term. And this is the best poetry book. And this is the best, you know, history book. Or should we step back and say, I want to have the best shelf, the best Mm -hmm. bookshelf. And to have the best bookshelf, you would need to have 
diverse voices included. Mm-hmm. Um, and so perhaps book by book by book, maybe there is another book that has more beautiful or more lyrical um, text, um, an older book um, from the golden age of children's literature and all of that. But those books, a shelf of only those books would not be the best shelf. So that's kind of what I came up with and it has worked well. I'm always on the hunt for beautiful stories with diverse Mm -hmm. voices. And then I share them with everybody. Mm, That's so good. You know, that's, that's such a thing too, is sometimes people, especially who are new to homeschooling and new with like, let's say the classical model or Charlotte Mason, you know, they really think it's this thing that if I read these books then I'm going to do that and I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to be Charlotte Mason and you're not Charlotte Mason (laughs) because I'm Charlotte Mason. And it is literally, and I'm going to be kind moms, but here's the thing is we know that we can't be Charlotte Mason, just like I can't be Tina and I can't be Amber, no matter even if I wear my hair like Amber or Tina. And so when we check off a list of these are the books that you have to read, and then that's going to make you that. Well, then we forget that we are our own family. This is it. My children, we are cultivating what we are at our home and things that are pertinent to what we have. And so it's just such a point that there's no such thing as ever becoming. We do the very best that we can, but it's okay to be exactly who you are and do the best. What I, you know, reading Charlotte's works, I don't know every single thing. I'm just going to say it right now, (laughs) but I can do the best that I can for my own children. And And that's it, right? I can be the best and I can do the best. And and so we just have to remember those. Yeah, I actually think that, you know, I I know it's dangerous when we start saying what we think someone who's not here would think, but (laughs) I feel confident. Say it, Amber, say it. (laughs) I think that she would be really proud of us as moms who are taking her ideas and making them our own. I think that's what she intended. Right, because she she didn't like the... Yeah. She didn't like the factory approach to schooling. Right. So she wouldn't like a factory approach to Charlotte Mason. (laughs) And she took ideas. She took those ideas from other people and put them within. Yeah, I agree. So, so yeah. I have a question that's not on the list I made for Jenny and I. <laughs> We're but. off the list already, Amber. I have no idea. So you're talking about, you know, all these beautiful things you came up with your oldest daughter. And I'm just going to assume that maybe for your, your second child, who's also a girl, it was kind of similar and you could kind of meld all those things in. And then you had two boys. Mm. Yes. And I hear all the time from, you know, people who might know a little bit about Charlotte Mason's ideas and they have sons and they're like, how do I get him to sit still for all these books? Yeah. <laughs> so oh, how well, did things it- change with your boys? Well, it was interesting though. They don't sit still for all of those. Um, and, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, in the beginning I was looking and, and of course I hadn't had boys before and I was like, what is going on over here? Um, and then I would be like, well, I would like you to narrate that. And he would be like, bam, 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 bam. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So crawling up a wall, hanging upside down and flipping over chairs, yet somehow he gets it. And so I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that's where we are. And I also, you know, make sure that I am doing things um, and presenting ideas and things that speak to him. So um, when we're doing handicrafts, although my sons do so, um, but they will tell you that, you know, if you ask them, what are you making? I'm like, I'm, I'm making a skateboard sling or they'll be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, may I have to know how to sew? Cause when I'm out in the wilderness and my tent rips, 
I have to know how to fix it. You know, they, they take things and they put it into their own context. Yeah. And, um, you know, other handicrafts, my son likes to work with leather and wood. Mm-hmm. My daughters, it naturally were attracted to fabric and thread, you know, so I let that happen and flow. Um, but yes, it's definitely different. I cannot <laughs> use the same things. Um, you know, my son was not interested in hearing about Pollyanna. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. We, my kids went to a classical school just for a quick minute and I taught just for a quick second there and they're both graduated. I have a 21 and 19 year old, but, um, the, the kids, I think it was like eighth grade. They had, they read, um, Jane Austen pride and prejudice and, and Noah loved it. Not even kidding. He's a history boy to be sure. And so he loved it. Meanwhile, I'm going to be honest. So there I was reading it and everything about me wanted to be in love because I felt like I should in order to what? be a certain way. Right. So I wanted to love it, but then I was like, uh, nope, let's, let's watch the movie. And then, (laughs) and then I couldn't understand our, it wasn't coming in really good and their thick accent. I, you guys, I just couldn't, I couldn't. I know it happens like that. I, I sometimes share about how much I loved Anne of Green Gables. Like I consider that like to be one of my like formative books for my childhood. And so I could not wait. I had two girls. I was like, yes, we're going to get all into it. And we're going to like, like, we can like play off of it and you can be like Diana and you could be Marilla and we could do the whole thing. And so when I first sat them down to read from it and I saw these two blank stares and I said, okay, I I always have a thing. We're going to read a hundred pages in before you tell me what you think. Hmm. We got to page like 99 and a half and they were like, done. (laughs) And I was like, no. So I, you know, sometimes those things happen. You just doesn't speak to them. I'm going to come back around to that one though. Cause I'm just like, maybe you're just not ready. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like a nature drawing thing too. I remember like doing, because isn't it it? You want everything to look so good and just so perfect. And, you know, I'm with Madeline, I was like, okay. And I, you know, we had the sketchbook and we had all these things and we were going to go outside and we walked to the park and draw all these things. And she literally drew a picture of our cat, our cat, you guys. And <laughs> Sophie was not with us at the park. And so she's like, mom. And then she was stating her case. Like, well, I just felt like, you know, like the Lord would No, Sophie is, she is God made her and she is part of nature. And so that was fine the first time. And I was like, okay, she's right. She has a point. Yep. It's the cat. I, I kid you not probably for the next every time it would be a different position with the cat. And then, you know, it's just like, no, we're done. You know what? No, no. Well, and my struggle with that was me. I'm not nature smart, you know, like, so like my book talks about the eight great smarts and nature smart is like, I know I am, but okay. It's my eighth. Okay. (laughs) It's just not there. And so, you know, I'm reading Charlotte Mason. The very first book that I read was for the children's sake as well. I mean, beautiful, beautiful. Wait, Tina, let's plunk it right now. I'm sorry to interrupt. All right. Guess what we're reading right now at the homeschool lab. <laughs> we, we actually are starting. So for everybody in our area. By the time this episode drops. Yep. Yes. We are starting on June what, Tina? I totally can't remember all of a sudden. Isn't it the, the I don't know. We're sorry. It's in June. If you go to our website, that is the book we're going to be reading together. And moms, you're not going to regret it. It's so good. So but sign so up. I read that book and I'm like, nature study, the literature, the literature part was, I was all over that, right? 
and because I have two girls and, uh, and they would love, especially my older love to be outside. She's very nature smart and all of that, but the drawing and stuff. Yeah. She was really just wanting to run around. Um, and my other one didn't want to get dirty and I didn't want to be out there. So that was a hard thing, but I had to come to the conclusion that God doesn't make mistakes, right? He gave me these children because he, there's something about me that he wants me to infuse in them. And of course I can't teach them to hate nature, but it's okay if I don't love it. You know, we're going to focus on other parts of Charlotte's ideas. So we'll do that. And then we'll focus on other things. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, there, we definitely, you know, come here with, with, um, certain aspects of who we are. My daughter bought a shirt and she couldn't wait to show it to me. And it says, I have a short that, shirt that says outdoorsy and mm. her says indoorsy. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I like know, that. I want to get that. <laughs> yeah. Even though she grew up, you know, being outside all the time as this little, you know, Charlotte Mason child and romping through creeks and field and forest. Mm. And she still does it and we enjoy it, but that's, you know, she'll tell me in a second. She's like, that's not what makes my heart sing. So yeah. Mm. Yes. What a beautiful way to say it. I, I <laughs> tell her I love that. And I'm going to look for that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about the blessings of homeschool, this journey that God called you to. You would have never dreamt it in a million years. Let's talk about those blessings. Oh, wow. So it's funny because um, I think that's the the part that I, I was only thinking of academics when the idea of homeschooling was first, you know, brought to me. And I was thinking reading, math, science, all of that. And none of that has much to do with what I feel our biggest blessings have been. For me, a big part of it is our lifestyle. I love being able to just kind of what I call flow naturally with the rhythms of our natural family rhythms, um, not having to have those you know, disrupted a lot. And in different seasons, those rhythms are different, but I know that our family is a little bit slower. We have like slower mornings. Um, We tend to stay up a little bit later and we kind of meander through our days and at this kind of lovely pace for us. Mm -hmm. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, I like the ability, uh, the flexibility um, where we can ramp up when we're feeling, you know, groovy and we can (laughs) slow way down or like when their grandmothers come to town to visit, it's like, okay, you know, this is it. Go be with her, sit with her. You guys do whatever it is you guys do. And we can take those days. And then there are other days where it's pouring rain or freezing cold and, you know, and we are just inside and we're reading and going through all of these things. And it would be what someone else would consider multiple days of school. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. So I just, um, I enjoy that. I love the idea of my children, um, becoming like self learners or people who are interested in what they're reading or learning, because I didn't have that. I was all about getting the A. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the only thing that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, that left me as an adult, a young adult with no interest yeah. because I hadn't cultivate, cultivated anything. And so I love seeing how they're interested in things and, uh, you know, want to do that. So I think all of those things. And then of course, because we like to travel, there's this little cherry on top, which is school is wherever we are. Yeah. And, um, yeah. that's been a really sweet blessing for us as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What about any particular challenges that stand out that that maybe you faced that you can give people encouragement if they're going through the same things? Um, that's easy. My biggest challenge is um, the 
amount of time that I don't get alone with each of my children um, that I would like to have. And, you know, we do the best that we can. And the times we, we are together alone are really, really sweet. But I do wish that I could pour into each one of them more individually. Um, but they're always here. (laughs) (laughs) And and even I think of that from on both ends, you know, my little one, I think about how I don't ever have just him to just pour into day in and day out the way I did with the oldest. And then with my oldest, I have to be very careful that I don't let her little siblings suck up all the air in the room. Mm. And then I still have my eyes are still pried open at night when she wants to talk. Uh, to me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think that for me has been the biggest challenge and I don't have a perfect answer, but I'm always thinking about it. Mm. Always trying. Yeah. I'm going to read this. This is kind of a longer question. So I'm just going to read it on my notes that Tina wrote for us. (laughs) So Amber, you probably know that right or wrong society has tended to see homeschooling as a white option. Mm -hmm. Yet the black homeschool community exists and has grown quite a bit since 2020 in particular. Uh, What do you have to say to black parents listening who might be thinking about homeschooling? Why should they do it and how can they manage it? Okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up since we're just going to be all open. And that's actually what mm-hmm. I said to my husband when he told me that we should come school. I was like, well, I'm not white. So, <laughs> wow, I, really? And so I, I didn't want to share that. that earlier, but that was actually what was said. So we're um, going to be real here, Amber. We want okay, you to be well, real. Let's, real before real. you even answer, let me just say this. I have to get off my chest, you guys. I've probably said this in our podcast before, but I literally one time had a dream I was black and I was so ecstatic. I was like oh my gosh it was the most joy and I woke up to go to the bathroom real now I'm up right I'm going to the bathroom I I'm the big mirror okay the big mirrors right there nope I'm white I'm white and I was so devastated and I told my husband I was like babe I had this dream that I was black and it was just so good but I'm just as white well, as they can be that was that must have been what my husband was dreaming that day when he told me <laughs> that he went to homeschool because that's the first thing I said and you know I thought that because when I was saying that there I didn't see any mentors or I had never met anyone I had never met another black person who homeschooled and I just felt like that was just something white people did um and I could you know build a lot into it but I went to some homeschool conferences early on. We were making our decisions and trying to figure things out. And literally there was no one there. There were no speakers. There were no vendors. There were no even other parents or family members. And so it, it just helped solidify what I already thought. Yeah. That I don't belong here. Uh, and so I can understand why someone would feel that feel that way. But I would say to those parents that there actually are a lot of us. Um, and a lot of times we're not seen in the mainstream homeschooling world, but that is beginning to change. Um, but we had kind of made some of our own spaces where you may not find us. You have to look, um, to find us look a little harder. Um, but we are here and that, um, it's a wonderful wonderful thing. And I think homeschooling is great for, for all of many different types of families, but for black families in particular, um, there are things, um, all schools are not safe spaces for our children. And some are, some aren't, some teachers are, and some teachers aren't. And it's really, really nice to know that while your children are young, um, are growing in your home while they're forming their identity and their sense of self, um, for that to be under your wing, rather than, than, you know, 
taking a, a gamble as to what will happen um, in the school system with them. So I think it's a a really great option. And I try to recruit black parents. I do. Um, so if you're going to be around me and you're going to have to, you know, try to listen to all my stuff that I'm going to tell you about it and how great it is. So I do, I think it's a wonderful thing, but I also think that the broader homeschooling community, um, could do more to be more hospitable, um, and to kind of put a welcome sign out front, um, there's a, an assumption. A lot of times people are like, oh, well, anybody can come here. But sometimes you need to invite people who yeah. haven't felt like they could come. Yeah. So I think that's something that that is slowly changing in some circles. Yeah. OK, so we're going to assume that the homeschool convention owners and the state homeschool organization leaders are listening. They are. <laughs> Hi, guys. What do you want to tell them? What kinds of things can they do so that other black families feel more comfortable coming to their stuff? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, just make the assumption that one, that we're here and that we want to be included um, and that all of the topics that you already are booking for or looking for, we speak to those things too. Mm -hmm. And so our children read and listen to music and um, our children enjoy um, different activities and extracurriculars. And um, we are loving, kind people who want the best for our babies and all of the same things that mm -hmm. everyone's saying. But we also have resources that we need um, that I think all families need, but especially our families where our children do need to see themselves reflected. So we need curriculum options that are going to um, prevent our children from saying things like what my little girl said. Yeah. Um, and so there are differences that need to be addressed, but there are also similarities to be recognized. And I think that people have been um, a little bit um uh, let's see. I, I don't think it has been an intentional for most people intentionally um, keeping us out, but I think they haven't been thinking of intentionally pulling us in. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Well, this segues right into dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Amber, tell us about the curriculum you have written. Oh, wow. Called Heritage Packs, which you offer yeah. through Heritage Mom. So just tell us the question goes on, but you can tell us. Okay. So basically, um, because of what was happening with my daughter, I was like, Ooh, gosh, shake things up in here. What am I going to do? Because the type of learning and curriculum that I was looking for didn't exist. Yeah. And so what I did was I thought about what we had been doing and there wasn't anything inherently wrong about it. Sure. There are books that have, you know, racist ideas and all that. Honestly, we weren't encountering a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was that our lessons needed to be expanded. And so my heritage packs are those expansions. Um, so I started writing lesson plans for history and things to include with black culture. And a couple of them are multicultural with different voices. And I like, for instance, I have something called heritage hymns that, that everybody likes. And that was coming from the idea of, I was doing this hymn study with, you know, different curricula and I, I was, they would have links to the song and, you know, these songs would be songs I knew from growing up. But I was like, I have never heard it sung like that before. And so one day I'm singing with my kids at the table and my husband walks in and he's like, what are you? He would, he mouthed the words, what are you doing? And I was like, okay, that's it. I was like, kids, let me tell you the way this song really yeah, goes. Because there like, was no flavor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. was like, let me put on a different video for you. 
And so my kids were like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and worship. And I was yeah. like, that's how mommy and daddy learn the song. So I'm just going to keep it real. And so I thought about okay. that and I said, wow, my kids are like, this is the same song. I was like the same song. You would never know. And it kind of became a funny thing, but we started from there listening to different versions of the same mm-hmm. song. And what I wanted my children to know, the words are the same. Yeah. All of these people we're seeing, they're all worshiping our Lord and savior. These are songs of adulation and praise and worship. And I want you to see the beauty in all of that. So the country, the bluegrass, that definitely, I didn't even know how to pronounce Celtic. I was like, is that a bagpipe? You know, I was just like, okay, you know, that my friend was into that. So I was like, okay. And the very traditional, and of course the gospel versions and jazz and instrumental. And so I put all of those together that we had done over the years. And that's what that heritage is. So I think like things like that, I just want um, my children and everyone's children Mm -hmm. to be able to see the common humanity and to appreciate the cultural differences. And I think, you know, my, my white girlfriends, I'm like, your kids should not be growing up without hearing gospel music. That's so true. That's That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that speaks to just what you said though. You know, it's like, all right, we all have things in common, but the cultural differences, Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Let's celebrate them all. Right. It's the same words. I love how you said that, you know, same worshiping the same Lord and savior, Jesus, but yeah, we do it within our different styles. That's right. I learned a few years ago that I'm ethnically Jewish, did not grow up knowing that, but I have been so into starting to learn that. Now I listen to Jewish praise songs, like Messianic Jewish praise songs. I'm like, that is the coolest thing. So it really is that embracing of kind of where you come from or what's familiar to you. And, you know, it's even been interesting for me. There are certain things growing up in Illinois that I mm-hmm. thought were black, black culture. Mm-hmm. And now that I live in Georgia and I'm in the South and I meet people and I'm like, okay, I see this white woman over here. <laughs> and I realized that, you know what? Some of those things weren't black. They were Southern. Yeah. So they had been brought, you know, my family generations prior had these Southern roots. And so in Illinois, they manifested because the other white people around us weren't eating those foods or weren't listening to that type of music. But then when I came down here, a lot of white people, you know, were eating what I would consider soul food, Mm -hmm. but they call it country cooking here. That was like, what is that? I was like, what's country cooking? I went to a country cooking restaurant. I was like, girl, this is black food. I just realized, you know, everything is a, a lot of the things we think about a bit are a bit of smoke and mirrors in some cases, you know, we do all have these things, but we are all so connected. Mm -hmm. It's so true. That's why I had the dream. I I was black and then I was sad that I'm not you guys. Louise. So, you know, you're, you're doing so many different things and we touched on the homeschool group that you run. It's called heritage homeschoolers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that, because I think, I I don't know about you, Jenny, but I hear from a lot of people that I talk to online, you know, uh, that they don't know that there's homeschool support groups in their areas. And so when I find somebody who's running a group anywhere, I like to hear about it because if someone's listening and they're in your area, they can Mm -hmm. maybe plug in, but just to encourage other people to start groups in their own area too. and, And to hear how other people have done it is an inspiration. So Yeah. So Heritage Homeschoolers is probably um, the single most impactful thing that ever happened to our homeschool. Mm -hmm. So again, it was born of that same issue with my daughter. I'm like, oh my gosh, if this little girl does not get around some black people, I don't know what's going to happen. And what, you know, I was like, I don't know how to do that. Everywhere we went, like on the homeschooling community, I just didn't see anyone. I I didn't, 
I can't snap my fingers and invent something. So um, what I did was I said, well, I'll start this group. And I don't know, I'm sure there'll be a few. And to clarify, people are like, how could you not know any black homeschoolers in Atlanta? (laughs) I know it's like a weird thing. We don't live in Atlanta. That's our nearest major city, but I'm not driving an hour to go to meet you to play at the park. You know what I mean? So we live out in that area called Cobb County. And, you know, that's where we were. That's where our library and that's where the ballet was and all the little homeschool things. And so that's where I wasn't seeing anyone. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I could get like maybe four or five other families if I start like a Facebook group or, an, you know, something. And five years later, now we're at 105 families. <sighs> so we were all here, um, but we were, you know, spread out. And I'm, I'm like, well, where were you? And they're like, well, we always go to the library every Thursday. And I'm like, I went every Tuesday, you know, (laughs) we weren't organized and we were like ships passing in the night. And so now we're organized under this umbrella and um, it's just been a beautiful thing that the children can have, you know, a few hours each week where they actually are not um, the only ones. And um, they are around other children who look like them and, and they can build that community that is really difficult to get anywhere else in this area. Oh, that's great. Tell us about your connection to wild and free. Oh my goodness. It's wild. <laughs> and it's free. Yeah, That's what Jenny thinks too. Jenny's our wild and free girl here. So <laughs> I am. Oh goodness. So I had, um, been like, uh, you know, like I had signed up on their website like years and years ago when, when my daughter was little, um, you know, cause the whole nature thing and all of that, but in recent years, how can I say that? How can I organize my story to be succinct? Okay. Basically I, <laughs> yeah. I was for years, like a decade, right. I was having babies and nursing and stuff. And I was super cloud and foggy minded. I didn't know it though. I thought I was like on it. But then when <laughs> I, when I weaned that last baby, that was the first time I hadn't been pregnant or nursing in that long. And so many years, this like clarity started coming through in my mind. I was like, Oh my God, I'm brilliant. I'm like, I can read. I'm like going to do things. I started writing. I was like, who am I? So I realized that I had been, uh, some things had been a little dulled there for a while. I was happy, mind you. I just wasn't sharp for a while. (laughs) The babies were taking it all. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. I was like, I was happy. I had no idea. So when that clarity came and I started writing more, I kind of got connected um, through them, you know, through word of mouth and everything. And I I wrote an article and then that turned into kind of, you know, writing monthly for their bundles. And then um, the first conference. So that one that you heard was, I think, the second conference that I did. So 2020 in the fall of 2020, I spoke at a conference. And then last year, and I'll be speaking next week or week after next. And so it kind of just turned into a thing. And it was very natural because that vibe, that idea of that, I told you I'd captured that idea of wanting that slower childhood, that childhood of wonder or wanting the children to feel free and to spend a lot of time outdoors and to take, you know, life at a, a more leisurely pace while also doing our academics and our lessons as well. Um, and so it fit really well with what I was already doing. And that's where, you know, it just kind of, they were very welcoming and it kind of just became a thing. And I was like, I think I'm like a part of wild and free now. I'm like, Amber, I know you now. And I want to be going to these things. Okay. <laughs> Here's what happened. You guys, I 
so wanted to go, but I just, it's new to me signing up as a group leader. Uh, it was for our new moms, the book, that book was just so it's so good for moms who are new to homeschooling, especially it's just, it just lays it out. Well, it's, it's just nice and gentle and good and lovely and everything's great. And then, um, I don't even know how I became the, just recently I wanted to do something is what it was. And I just didn't know. So you found out about the, well, you, uh, your husband bought you that book about the book party yeah. thing. Actually. So, yeah, yeah. Joel bought me the book. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. But, um, then I was going to sign up for the conference. Cause I mean, why wouldn't I? Right. <laughs> and so I was so excited to sign up for it and it was sold out. Yeah. So then I put, I'm like, well, you know what? I'll just put a little thing saying, you know, that thing that email. And then if somebody, right. So I'm getting all of these things now of everybody selling their ticket because they can't do it. But then for my birthday, my kids and my husband got me a trip to Colorado, which happens to be right around that time. I think, when is it? When is that? Uh, it seems like May 20th. Oh no, I don't know what the reason is. What What is the reason? There's a reason why we, I can't go, but every time, probably every day I get emails saying, I have these tickets. I have these tickets. Yeah. Stop, that's I can't take it happening. anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, it's such a good time. You should definitely try to make it sometime when you can. It's like I no will. other homeschool conference oh my gosh, I've I know. ever been to. It's like, oh my gosh. But it feels like going to like a con- a rock concert, you know, I rather so than a go. concert. I mean, a homeschool conference. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Okay. So 2023, Jenny, that's your assignment. 2023. I'm on it, Amber. (laughs) Do it. Okay. So we do not want to forget to talk about your new book, A Place to Belong, right? Now we're taping this at the very beginning of May. It's probably going to drop in early June. So the book is coming out in between, right? So tell us about this book because I wanted to make sure we talked about it and we gave you as much time as you wanted to, to, because it's exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a place to belong, celebrating diversity and kinship in the home and beyond. So what was happening was I was reading, doing a lot of reading these last couple of years where our society, our nation has been so full of social unrest. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what, what this meant for my family. And I found so many things new and old talking about diversity and inclusion and multiculturalism. And I really related to a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll just leave that there. And then I also was reading a lot about people coming together and cross racial, the importance of cross racial relationships and friendships and racial healing and all of these Mm -hmm. things. And a lot of that was talking about, you know, like we're so similar, kind of like this colorblind approach, like we're all the same. Let's just all come together, our common humanity. And so I was like, okay, I, I, that kind of resonates with me. But what I realized is like, what's missing is the connection. Like Mm -hmm. I'm greedy. I want both. And so like, I, I want that, that diversity, that inclusion, that cultural celebration, but I want that so that we can form bonds with Mm -hmm. other people, people who are the same and people who are different. And I wasn't finding anything that was connecting those two, you know, schools of thought. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be colorblind. I totally see color. I think it's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. I just don't want anyone to uh, attach a negative judgment to the beautiful colors that they see around them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
the other thing that I felt was missing in all this argument, arguing between adults and politics and religion and the news and all of that, um, we were, we forgot about the children, Mm. you know? And, and I was like, here are these children watching all of this that's happening and what are we doing for them? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I think it starts in the home and Mm -hmm. it emanates out from there. And so I basically wrote the book that I couldn't find that I wanted to Mm -hmm. read. And that is the talking about the beauty of a home atmosphere that does celebrate cultures, their own and other people's um, that does look with an eye towards inclusivity and diversity, but also for the main purpose of bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what the book does. It starts with the kitchen table and the things, the discussions you have. It deals with the home library. It deals with the family room when you're looking at media and television and movies. And um, it goes on to teaching hard history. And how do we mm-hmm. do that in a, in a way that brings honor and beauty into our homes and learning history, uh, balancing the hard history with a lot of joy and beautiful things and poetry and art and music, all cultural things. Um, and then it goes outside of the home beyond the four walls. It talks about our global travels and how that's impacted what we're doing with our children. Um, and then just in general, the way that we want our children to, to express themselves and to behave outside of the home with an eye always towards building bonds. Mm. And um, so that's what the book is about is that every child wants a place to belong and how can we as parents um, curate that within our own homes. Mm. It's sure to be a bestseller, Amber. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good with that. (laughs) Is it it already available for pre-sale? Do you know? Yes, it's on pre, it's pre, yeah, it's on pre-order. I actually have, um, you know, my copies here. So it's printed and and waiting to ship. So it it ships May 17th. So like you said, when this comes out, it will be available at all the places um, that, you know, you normally find books. My publisher is Tartar Perigee. It's a division of Penguin Random House and you can get it at all the regular places. Um, So I just held it for my, the first time in my hands Uh, the other day. That's and, a beautiful uh, feeling, isn't it? When I got yes, my book, I was is. like, oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> it, it's happy. A, a wonderful, wonderful feeling. I, I recorded the audio book a couple weeks ago. Ah, so yeah, everything's good. there and, and ready. And I think it's what's, you know, missing for a lot of families mm-hmm. who want to do something different than probably what they had growing up, but they just aren't sure where to go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds wonderful. It does. Can't and wait just, to read it how God is using you. Mm-hmm. Isn't it just something? It just must, you know, sometimes we just stop and think, Lord, how in the world we would have never been able to get to the points we are today. And just you're speaking so much to so many people and you've, you've blessed me, Amber, just from that one <laughs> conference talk that I saw. And so I'm just, it's an honor to meet you. And do you have any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with everybody? Hmm. I would just say that um, ultimately it's the things that I'm talking about um, to turn our children's hearts towards their brothers and sisters who are similar and different isn't actually something that's optional. Um, We have been directed to do that. It's what um, is expected of us and what we are doing when we're obedient to our fathers. So we uh, it's not a matter of if, but more a matter of how. And I think that the power that mothers have to leave their imprints um, on their children is so incredibly 
powerful that it's one of the biggest things that can change the tide um, for our nation and our world right now. So that's it. I would just say, you know, don't ever pretend I hear moms sometimes saying, I wish I could do more, but I'm just a stay at home mom or I'm just, a, you know, I'm just doing this. And I'm like, oh, never put a just mm. in front of your role as shaping young hearts and minds. So ah, that's how I would inspire people. And the rest is just, you know, <laughs> it's a crazy world. This is the thing we signed up for, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's hard to answer the question. Why do you homeschool? I'm like, I don't know. I know. <laughs> it's so good though. <laughs> and here we are rocking it. Uh, yeah. Well, we are blessed by you and moms and dads. I know that you are blessed today. I hope that you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you, God called you for your children for such a time as this. You are the very best model of learning to your children. You always were, and you always will be. 